0: You know, we're in a series called All Access, and the reason we have All Access is because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is the reason, that is the only reason, because Jesus gave us authority, He gave us power, He adopted us by going to the cross into the family of God. Week one, Pastor Taylor launched the series talking about how God is faithful. Week two, we, we set a little bit more of a, a, a groundwork and talked about how we're all sons and daughters of God. That's not cliche, like we need to live in that reality. Amen, everyone. Week three, we talked about faith versus unbelief. God is a faith God, and we are faith people. Week, or last Wednesday was part four, and we talked about inquiring of the Lord, the answer to a 1,001 questions is be led. And we talked about that on last Wednesday. And again, I told everybody, if you haven't heard that message, you need to go back and listen to it. And then, of course, last weekend, we talked about how healing belongs to you. You know, I have one single job according to Scripture. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible says this, So Christ himself gave apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do one thing to equip his people for works of service you know is it is my job to do weddings and funerals i mean we do weddings and funerals but that's not my job right I have, I have one singular job, okay? It's not to do necessarily weddings and funerals, even though we've done that. It's not necessarily to do counseling, though we've done that. It's not to help people in their marriages, though we believe in marriages. Everybody should come to marriage tonight if you're married. Like, that is not my job. My job is, according to Scripture, to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's my job as your pastor. I'm to equip you for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, the word here is mature, to become mature, attending to or attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And a lot of people are like, well, but I want a pastor to do all of those other things. That's not my assignment. We have people in our church that that is their assignment, and they do it really, really, really well. My assignment is to reach, connect, and equip you to live what you believe. And I need to stay in my lane, because you wouldn't want an orthopedic surgeon doing brain surgery, would you? Would you? You would not want that. They're both doctors, they're both specialists, they're both really good at what they do, but one should probably focus on bones, joints, and ligaments, and the other one should probably focus on the brain. You know what I mean? And so that's just it. They're all important, but I need to stay in my lane, and my lane is to equip you. And that's what this series has been about. It's about equipping you, equipping you to live what you believe. Because it's one thing to come to church, and we've, we've said this from day one, my goal is not just to create a church where people can come in, punch in a clock, okay, I'm here, get a little coffee, get a little Jesus, punch out, and go back to the world. We want to live what we believe. We want to live. This word changes us. This ministry has changed us. Jesus Christ has changed us. Amen, everyone? And every single time we sit in this place, we're here to take another step towards maturity. We're here to take another step towards what God has for, for you and I. And we're all at different levels. We're all at different places in life. We've all. Some of us have been saved for a really long time. Some of us, we are still on the fence on whether or not God is real. And it's okay. We say you can belong before you believe. But we, we think that you hang around long enough and the Word of God will come alive to you and you will believe. Can I have an amen? Amen, everyone. This, this Word changes you. This Word changes you. And I want to share some things with you today. But again, what happens, I've, I've got too many notes I got way too many notes. Uh, we have a, a pre-service uh, production meeting with all the worship team and production guys, and everybody that has anything to do with the, the service. And they always ask me, "Hey, when when would you like us to, to come back up on stage? What point?" And I'm like, "Guys, I don't know." I, today, I'm like, "I don't know." I got I got too many notes. I got too many notes, and so I said, "If I'm still going by like 9:40, you should probably come up, right? You should not 9:40, 10:40, 10:40. You should probably come up and get me off the stage because there's another service coming." But I got too many notes. But the reason why is because the word of God is so good. The word of God is so good. So this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to pray with me for the right direction. Because already, just, just during the huddle today, my message is already starting to take a little different direction. And uh, I believe that the Lord, and in, in it's specifically for this service, but I believe the Lord wants to say something to you. But you got you to believe with me. Can you believe with me? Yeah. Father, we love you right now. And Lord, the entrance of your word brings light and it brings understanding. And Lord, we understand as those who are shepherds, under shepherds of the great shepherd, we understand that it is our responsibility to, to minister on the, a word in season. What is the word for today? And so, Father, we just, we tap into the Holy Ghost right now. We ask to be led by your spirit. Father, I know I've got notes and notes and screens and pages and lots of notes. But Father, I want to be led by you today. I don't want to go fast. I don't want to get in a hurry. Lord, I just ask that you would lead me, that Lord, you would speak to your people today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just came back from a conference and the shortest service was over three hours long. So, so uh, I'm fired up, okay? So, here's the, here's the thing. Amen. You know, a few weeks ago, actually, it's been a few months ago now, we were, it was a Monday night. We were on a family walk, and uh, I think I've told this story before, but some of you are new, and it'll bear repeating. We were on a family walk, and my, one of my grandsons, Zion, which is Taylor and Bailey's uh, second uh, second son, he, he actually, he likes to go, he likes to run. The kid is a ball of energy, right? He runs. This particular day, though, he got one of those little plastic cars, you know, the kids ride on these little plastic cars, and he decided he wanted to take that on the family walk around our neighborhood. And so we were on a family walk, and he was, he was you know, I mean, both feet, like, like he was going. He was trying to go just as fast as he could run on this thing. Well, we had this little bit of a hill right as you come out of our driveway come kind of goes down a little bit and then comes back up right and so he thought it was fun the thing it was straight as an arrow like the alignment perfect, okay? Uh, he can't actually turn the steering wheel. Does, it, does the steering wheel turn on that thing? I don't think it turns on that thing, does it? Anyway, it's straight. Uh, and, and if he wants to move, turn, he's got to like pick it up and move it, right? And so it is straight. And so he would get to this place where he would, he would get on a hill and he would realize that he didn't have to, you know, he didn't have to dig any. And so he'd just lift his legs up and shoo, he'd go down the hill. Thought it was fun, thought it was great. Well, in our neighborhood, you can go left and just kind of keep going around my neighborhood, or you can go right and kind of enter into a a different neighborhood. And this particular night, we went right. And uh, as we were going, well, when you go right, there's a big hill, a big hill at the end of this. And we were all talking, carrying on. Honestly, we could hear him. We were, you know, we got five grandbabies, okay? And so it's kind of, when they said it takes a tribe to raise a child... Like, yes, right? And so we're kind of watching them all, but Zion had got out ahead of us a little bit, and he started taking that hill, and the other side of that hill was like a pretty good grade. Like, it's we only take this when we're feeling energetic, you know what I mean? Because we know if you go down that hill, you got to come back up, right? And so this particular night, we, we were taking the hill, and he got out ahead of us, and this time he goes to lift his legs up, and he starts to go down. Well, his little car, which shoots a straight line, was actually pointed the wrong direction. And he starts to go down. He lifted his legs up. He thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Oh, man, we're going fast, right? Well, he got to the place where he realized he was going too fast. And we, about this time, realized what was going on as we look, and he's like, like down on this little plastic car. Well, It doesn't take us long before we look up and we see a massive pole right in front of him. And he is headed straight for the pole with no alignment issues. Are you with me? And I think he realizes that he's got his feet up. He realizes, even though he's, you know, two, about to be three, he'll tell you his, his, his birthday's been coming for a year now. Um, and so he'll tell you, my birthday's coming. Um, and so he realizes that he's, he's going fast. He knows if he puts his feet down, he's just going to fall. And so I, <laughs> hindsight's always 20-20, but he just, he just let go of the wheel. He just lifted up his hands. <laughs> I mean, if that's not the expression, Jesus take the wheel, I don't know what is. But that's all we see is we see his hands go up like this, his legs are up, and he is just zing, zinging down. Well, his dad, Taylor, starts to take off running for him, but brother has picked up speed, and we know there's no way Taylor is going to catch him in time, and he's aimed right for the telephone pole. And so in this moment... Man, you think all kinds of things in a fraction of a second, don't you? Yeah. Like, in a fraction of a second, you're imagining yourself in the emergency room. You're imagining, like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Like, if you're not careful, your mind, even in the fraction of a second, can take you down some dark places. But fortunately, out of all of us, one of us screamed the name of Jesus. And it was Tyra. She says... Jesus! And about that time, this little car, which has had perfect alignment, all of a sudden just veered ever so slightly to the left. And it just... And then he kind of went off in the grass, came to a stop. Giggles. Picks the thing up. Goes right back to the road. Right? Now... All the adults are like, <gasps> 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 and what I noticed, and I don't know if everybody else in the family noticed it, but what I noticed is actually in between where he le- where he landed on the grass, there was a pole on this side. On this side was a mailbox that was uh, an old plow, you know, that had the blade on it with the point on it that like an oxen pulled. There's an old plow over there, and the point was right facing Zion. And if he had gone too far this way, it would have went from the pole to the point of a plow. But it's just ever so gracefully, he just veered to the left and just pew, right in between them. God is a good God. Amen, everyone. I can, I can imagine, amen, I can imagine an angel who, was he wasn't faster than an angel. I can imagine an angel just went, like that, right? And he just slid right to a stop. I'm telling you, friends, God is real. His protection is real. And it was December 2019 that Miss Tyra woke up in the middle of the night, just had an urgency to read her Bible. And I tell a lot of her stories because she's got some good ones. And um, thank God for a praying wife. Amen, everyone? And uh, it, was, it was December 2019. She woke up in the middle of the night, and she just had an, an unction, if you will. Didn't hear an audible voice, but just down in the deep inside of her, she says, you should read your Bible. She does it a lot. I'll wake up sometimes, and there's a little glow coming from her side of the bed, and she's over there reading the Word. And she's like, if I'm awake, I might as well spend time with Jesus, right? And so this particular day, she, she opened up her Bible app, which opened up to the book of Psalm chapter 91. And in the NET version, which she wasn't necessarily, doesn't frequent that version. I mean, it's, it, she does read it. But this particular day, it just came up. It was on that translation, and it was on Psalm 91. And in the NET version, the first three words of Psalm 91, one, are as for you. As for you, and I think a lot of people, we look around and we see a lot of destruction in the earth today, and we know that there's a lot of people who, pers- who profess Jesus Christ as their Lord, and we also realize that there's a lot of bad things that happen to really, really good people, yeah. and I think if we're not careful, we will find ourselves in a place of doubt, we'll find ourselves in a place of, well, if it didn't happen for them, why would we think it could happen for us? And we got to be careful about that. Because if you remember on week three of this series, we were talking about faith versus unbelief. And out of two million people, only two of them were trusting God. They were all God's people. It's the same people in Israel now. It's just generations later. But during, uh, the we were reading from the book of Exodus, and it was talking about how the children of Israel were given to the promised land. They got to the promised land, and they encountered giants there. God told them to go into the land and take the land. But when they went into the land, they saw the giants. They saw, like, yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but there are giants there. And the Bible says they spread a bad report amongst the the people, the men. And they said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And out of two million of God's people, two of them said, we can surely do it. And so what I need you to understand is regardless of what's going on in the world, Regardless of your grandma or your aunt or your coworker who's been serving God for 40 years. Regardless of any of that, the word of God is true. Yeah, right. And it will work for those who trust Him. Are you saying that all of those other people didn't trust God? I don't know their story. But as for you. Yeah, right. yeah, as for you. And this is what the Lord was telling Tyra in the middle of the night, December 2019. As for you, Tyra, as for you, Darian, as for you, people of your place, church, the one who lives in the shelter of the sovereign one and resides in the protective shadow of the the mighty king. A little context of Psalms 91. Most scholars believe that because Psalm 90 is titled uh, by Moses, they obviously assume that Psalm 91 was written by him as well. Can you handle just a little bit of Bible study today? It's the entrance of God's Word that brings light and it brings understanding. Not anybody's opinion. So you, you read the Word of God on your own. And you allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Psalm 91.1, whoever, the NIV says, whoever, NET says, as for you, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Rest. Everybody just take a, a deep breath. Rest. Right? Now, I told you last week that the things of God are not automatic. We have to appropriate them in our lives. Who gets to rest in the shadow of the Almighty? Those who dwell. Those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High. Not everybody's resting. Not everybody's calm. And again, we want to make excuses. And sometimes the devil wants you to feel guilty for being at peace. The devil wants you to feel guilty for being blessed. The devil wants you to feel like, you know, who do you think you are when there's all this suffering going on in the world? But the Bible says whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. Amen verse 2 I will say of the Lord He is my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I trust I don't know what's going on with the rest of you but He is my fortress He is my refuge He is my God and it's Him that I trust surely He will save you from the fowler's snare. A fowl, it's like a a bird. A snare is a trap. A fowler's snare, they used to, you see videos on this all the time where the guy's got the little loop and he puts the little, you know, the food in there. And when the bird comes and sits on the branch, it pulls this thing and it, it catches him. It's a trap is what it is. And the Bible is saying, listen, he will save you from traps, that have been set for you. He will save, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. So, yes, he will save you from whoever human-wise is plotting against you, or any other deadly pestilence, like not necessarily human is like just stuff. Virus, disease, sickness, bacteria, right? He will save you from the Fowler snare and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. So we kind of have this idea of this mama bird protecting her chicks, right? She protects them against the elements by putting her feathers over, over her chicks. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings... You will find refuge. His faithfulness shall be your shield and rampart. You, who's he talking to? Us. He's talking to us. That's why he's saying you, you. So when you read it, hear him talk to you. You will not fear the terror of night. And there's a lot of people who fear the terror of night. You will not, and we could say the reason why it's like, I don't think any word is in there by accident. I think it's all there on purpose. At night, you don't see them coming. You don't see them coming. You don't have to fear what you don't see coming. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And the scripture is not oblivious to the fact that we live in a fallen world. It's not oblivious to the fact that there is a lot of hate that happens out there. It's not oblivious to the fact that things happen in the world. In fact, verse seven says, a thousand may fall at your side Ten thousand at your right hand, now this is specifically talking about a plague that had hit uh, the land and and Moses was was referencing it, like the Lord was telling him, listen it 's real, like there's a world and it 's a fallen world, and there's weird stuff going out there, and a thousand may fall at your at your side t- or at your In front of you, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. In other words, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. But look what the Lord says. But it will not come near you. Who is he talking to? Us. Us. If... You believe that. As for you, the scripture says, it will not come near you. And I think if we're not careful, we forget that the Lord is actually for us and not against us. We forget that. In fact, these, I don't, I didn't, these were all, I don't have these in my notes. And so if they put them up there, it's because they got ahead of me because I'm trying to get ahead of them, Isaiah 54 starts saying that no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. That's protection from the Lord. No weapon, one translation says, that is formed against you. In other words, someone with ill feelings, someone who wants to take you out, If there is a weapon that is being forged or formed against you, the Bible says that no weapon that is fashioned or formed against you will succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. So not only what people could do to you, what people can say about you. Have you ever been uh, falsely accused of something? Have you ever had people talk about you behind your back? Well, according to this scripture, it doesn't matter what they say, no one's going to believe them. Are you with me, friends? So, no weapon that is formed against you can prosper, and everybody who would be talking trash on you, you will refute. The Bible says first, uh, sorry, sorry, second Thessalonians chapter three, verse three says, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you. Who will? The Lord will guard you, the Bible says. But if you don't know that about God, you won't stand on those promises. God himself will guard you. He will protect you. Against the evil one, the Bible says. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And again, we're not saying we won't go through things because we will, but, but God is a present help in trouble. And he's your refuge. You know what a refuge is? It's where you run to to find shelter. He is your refuge and your help. One translation or one scripture says he he is a strong tower. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God who goes with you, he will not leave you or forsake you. God doesn't ever leave you out there on your own. He watches over you. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. He says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 34, verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those, here's the clincher, who fears him. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Why doesn't this happen for everyone? Because not everybody fears the Lord. Not everybody fears the Lord. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And that word fear is not like, I'm so scared of God. That word fear is a reverence or a respect. It's an honor. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who honor the Lord God, who fear him. And what does the angel do? Delivers them, the Bible says. You guys okay? 1956, this was called the... um, the Mau Mau Uprising in East Africa, a story is told by a missionary that this, this Mau Mau Uprising, this, this group of raiders were out roaming the land and they came upon a village and they had ill intentions. They were just a murderous bunch of people, like, kind of like what we're seeing in Israel today. And as these guys descended on this village, they killed every... Single inhabitant of the village, over 300 people. Men, women, elderly, children, all of them. Killed them all. And uh, as they were leaving that little village, they were going down into this next valley, and, and about three miles away was a boarding school for missionaries' children. So, missionaries who had been signed to the region, they would they would leave their children at this boarding school to be, to be raised and cared for and educated. And it's a, it's a boarding school of missionaries' children. And this, this, this Mau Mau group of raiders went and they were going to attack this, this boarding school. And as they were approaching, I mean, they're yelling. Uh, it's, in, it's in the middle of the night. Um, the professors look out they see all these torches they see they completely surrounded the boarding school and they were moving in and the missionary who who was an eyewitness to this said they got within a spear's throwing distance and all of a sudden they all screamed and ran into the forest well word had got back to the army in the land and they were they were they were coming to save the school. By the time they got there, all of the, the Mau Mau um, uh, soldiers had left. They, they'd ran. Well, they, they found them, rounded every one of them up, and then was trying them for their, for their crimes. And The Mau Mau leader was the one on trial, and the judge who was presiding over that said, Did you kill all the inhabitants of that village? Yes, we did. Were your intentions to kill everybody in that boarding school? Yes, they were. Well, why didn't you do it? The leader of the Mau Mau tribe and the Mau Mau raiders looked at the judge and said, we were going to. But when we got close to the school, we saw these really tall men dressed in white all carrying flaming swords, we were afraid, so we ran. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Amen, everyone. Come on. You can celebrate that. Amen. Amen. So in the middle of the night, Tyra's reading this scripture, right? And it comes across verse 8, and it says you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Verse 9 says this, if you say... Now, anytime there's an if, it's always followed by a then. We call them if-then statements. If you say, the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. The primary way we stand on the word of God is by believing what it says and letting it out your mouths. Are you with me, friends? The primary, when we say, what are you believing God for? Or, what are you standing on? We're, the primary way we stand on the Word is we believe the Word of God in our hearts and we let it out our mouths. Think about it. Think about it. How does a boss uh, get things done? He says, this is what we need to do. How does a king get things done? He, he decrees things, right? It's the same principle. If you say, the Lord is my refuge... And make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. So when life gets hard or something comes against you, this is when you say, the Lord is my refuge. And I make the most high my dwelling, Therefore, no harm will overtake me. No disaster will come near my house, my family, my place of business in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what you do. If you say it, if you stand on it, if you believe it, you got to say it. Well, how does it all work? Verse 11 says, well, he will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Here we go again with the angels. But He will command His angels concerning you to guard you. To guard you. I, I, teach, I taught a message in, when I was in youth ministry. Where are you taking your angels? <laughs> Where are, you, where are you taking your angels? What are, what are your angels watching on that cell phone? Because they're right there. Where are you taking your angels? And don't try to outrun your angels. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone or hit a pole going down a hill. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and and you will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. Why? Because you love him. The Lord says, why is he doing this? Because he or she, they love me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. Verse 15 says, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And then verse 16, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Lord wants to is very interested in and looks after your well-being. He will protect you. And that should bring you some peace. That should bring you some comfort. If you had any idea how many times the Lord has averted you from near disaster, you would be surprised. In fact I'm convinced we're all going to get to heaven and and Jesus is going to be like, okay, roll the film. You got to watch this. You got you roll the film. Play it back. Play it back. See that? You didn't even know. (laughs) You didn't even know. But we were right there. Are you with me, friends? This is a big deal. Now, this is Old Testament. Let me give you some New Testament. Are you with me? Say, I'm with you. When Jesus came to the earth and died, he paid the ultimate price for us. He didn't just ensure our salvation in eternity. He gave us some things. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. One translation says power, but the accurate translation says authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Does that make sense? We have power and authority. Now, you got to have both. You, you can have a tank and have all the power in the world, but you don't have the authority to just go blowing that thing off everywhere you want to, whenever you want to, right? You've got to have power and authority. You need both. We have to have authority to use the power, and we do, because Jesus gave it to us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Everybody say every disease. disease. Say every sickness. sickness. Regardless if it's contagious, hereditary, or self-inflicted. It's all covered under that. Amen, everyone? There is no sickness, disease, demon, or devil that has power over you because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. None. None. Cancer, diabetes, heart disease, it, those all make people go, ooh. But when you have power and authority over them, you realize who you are in Christ. And when we allow other people's experience to rattle us, we make the word of God of none effect in our lives. Oh, yeah. Come on. Amen, everyone. Why did God give us authority? So we could allow disease to rule over us? So we can walk in fear? So we can be taken out in an accident? No. It's so we can do what he did. The Bible goes on to say that the works that I've been doing, they will do even greater works than these. Now, here's what you need to understand. The enemy is all about A, watering down the word of God. Because if he can't get you to quit coming to church, the next thing he's going to try to do is to make you be distracted or make you not believe the word means what it says it means. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. When Psalm 91 says, I will say of the Lord, it's your thoughts and your words that are doing that. 99% of you speaking the word is to shut your own thoughts off, and 1% of it has enough power to take care of whatever it is. Amen, everyone? But you got to be a believer. Well, what if? Well, what if? Well, what about the economy? What about? What about? Listen, the Lord will take care of you. As for you, as for your children, as for your family, as for what well, doesn't seem fair? Why doesn't He take care of everyone? He wants to. He wants to, but it's it's the ones who say. He is my refuge. He is my rock. He is my fortress. Amen, everyone. There's been other people who confessed to be Christians and it seemingly didn't work. The difference is, what do you really believe? What do you really believe? Because the enemy is all about fear and fear is the root of all of this. If he can get you froked out, you will, just like the children of Israel, draw back. Did God tell them to take the land? Yes. Did they take the land? No. Not then. Forty years later, they did. But there were two people who were like, we can surely do this. Interestingly enough, if you, go find, if you go read the rest of the story, those two got in. Those two got to go. The rest of them died in the wilderness. Amen, everyone? It's all based in fear. Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, "...they went to Capernaum." This is Jesus' days. This is talking about him and his disciples. "...when the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach." The people were amazed. King James Version says they were astonished at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Astonished is a strong word. People can recognize when you believe what you believe, people can recognize when you're confident about something. And you know who else can recognize it? The devil. When you're like, nuh-uh, not in my house, what was the saying a couple of years ago? Not today, Satan, right? Like, that, is a, that is a expression of confidence. That's an expression of someone who knows who they are in Christ Jesus, and you have an all-access, all-access badge that gets you in. Amen, everyone. And it's called in Jesus' name. It's the authority of the believer. And it's what we've been talking about this entire series. How come I've never heard about this before? Because, now it's been there the whole time. It's because tradition has watered this down. We're not going to come off the word just because of somebody else's experience with it. Amen? The environment that the devil thrives in is fear. And if he can get you in fear, you'll do the rest of the work on your own. Amen? And this is why James is encouraging us in James chapter 4, verse 7, to resist the devil. We could say resist the fear and he will flee from you. How do we resist it? You stand on the word of God and you let it come out your mouth. And then you watch what God does. God has more power. A lot of people think that the devil is like the opposite of God. We know God is almighty. We know he's all powerful. But for some reason, we think like the devil is the yin to the yang. It's like he's the equal power. No. Jesus, when referencing the devil, said, I saw him fall like lightning. In other words, there was no struggle. When he began to rise his head up in heaven, because the Bible says he was Lucifer, he was one of the, the archangels in heaven. In fact, he was, a, he was a music, he was a worship leader in heaven. Lucifer was. But he, said, he started looking around and desiring the praises of the angels, the praises that God was getting, and he started saying, I want that. Why don't they praise me? And that one little thought, it was like, that's all it was. There was no struggle. There was no battle. Jesus, who was there, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, who was there, recorded it. I saw Satan fall like lightning. There was no struggle. Because there's not the same power. That's right. That's right. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Amen, wow. Amen everyone. You. They came out. <laughs> it means my time's up. There's so much here. There's so much here. If you believe it. If you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Now, to dwell is not just come on Sunday morning for about 45 minutes. Dwell means to live. That means every morning I'm living in the presence of God. He has my attention, He has my affection. Everything I do, I filter through him. My life revolves around him. What would happen if I didn't dwell under the shadow of the Almighty? If you dwell, then this stuff works. If you don't, then it won't. Stop asking hard questions about God that you know you shouldn't even be asking. He is a good God. He is a good God. Well, how can a good God send people to hell? He's not sending them to hell. He's rescuing them. If they believe in Jesus, if they reject Jesus, they are sending themselves to hell. Does that make sense? So the key is, is to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what we're praying for the nation of Israel right now. Come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Just believe he's the Messiah. Just believe that we're saved by grace and not by works. It's not the law. It's it's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It's always been Jesus. Amen? And you have the same access. You have the same access if you have a relationship with Jesus.